the pudding, and the pudding in this place is a football. Boom! Eight by goal! The goalie has got football pie all over his shirt. Uh, welcome to this episode of the Down the Pool podcast. Uh, on this episode, we are joined by the gaffer, the head honcho, the main man, uh, Patrice Geyser. Uh, welcome to the show. Probably we've had we've had chats preseason on the um, at Garrison's and stuff like that, but uh, this is like your first official time in on the uh, the actual show. So uh, welcome, Patrice. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. And we obviously. My partner in crime, Gary's here too. He's just uh, chomping at the bit to ask you a million questions. So <clears throat> just uh, just for yourself, just before Gary gets going, uh, what was your reaction to being nominated as coach of the year in your first uh, season as a head coach in the CPL? Yeah, I'm, I'm, to be honest, I'm honored about it. Uh, of course, you know, you always want that recognition. But for me, the most important thing was the growth of the team. I would have traded that in for one more game, but... Given the circumstances, I'm really happy. I'm also more than happy to see Lorenzo and Dan get some recognition and as of late Massimo for Players Player of the Year. So I think um, it, it, it's a sign of great things that we've done. So I'm ecstatic for sure. And I'm, I appreciate the recognition. Congrats. And uh, just before I hand you over to Gary, um, who will win the uh, Player of the Year? And why will it be Lorenzo? I'm going to go with Lorenzo. <laughs> and I mean, listen, uh, I don't want to, we could go into stats and say he made 2005 passes, which is roughly around 78 passes a game. We could talk about that. We had um, every team this season had a few meltdowns. We had one major meltdown against York and I'm not sure if I'll, anyone knows the common denominator. It was without Lorenzo. Um, Lorenzo was consistent. He led the league in a lot of attacking traits and a lot of defending traits, interception, recoveries, tackles. But most importantly, I think he's just so different that our eyes can't stop watching him. So I think for what he's done at his age in first year, he has to be recognized. I mean, I recognize him as the, one of the greatest talents I've seen in this league, and I'm honored to be coaching him. So I hope he re receives it. And if he doesn't, for me, Anthony, you, you he gets my vote. So. I don't, I don't know what that means or if it's worth any value to him. Probably not, but he gets my vote. Amazing. Where you go, Gar? Yeah, cheers, Patrice. There is actually a question about Lorenzo missing that York game in here somewhere, so I'm sure we'll get to that. Sure. I kind of wanted to start off by going back in time a little bit to November 2022. So you've just been hired as the new head coach of, of Wanderers. And I was just wondering, when you when you get that job and you're moving to a new city with a group of players you haven't worked with before, what What's your starting point? Like, I'm sure you made a to-do list in those early days. Like, what did you prioritize? Um, I looked at saying that, you know, first of all, concentrate on the current squad. You can't sell them short. Um, you know, one of the first things I said, Gary, after we made the playoffs, is that when Steve sent that text, I also text Steve myself. I went out for Steve for a couple, uh, a beer a few weeks before it. The foundation that's been laid here by Steve Harden and Derek and Matt cannot go unrecognized, you know. And I think this has been coming. Um, so the first thing I did is assess to see what do we have, what can we improve, and where do we need to go? Um, for me, the clear idea was that um, we have to have a clear identity. That's the only thing we can do. Come in, and here's the things that we need to have. Technical ability, coachable, good sociable character. I didn't care about the lack of experience. I didn't care about anything else. 
And the other kind of X factor was their familiarity with me. So I thought about everybody that's coming back next year will be at a better place because they know me, my way of thinking, my way of doing things, and our system. But if I could speed up that system by a year or bring in familiar players, it helps. So started looking at it, and this is before Jordan, Jed, and Jana come on. So it was lonely, uh, long days, but exciting because, you know, if you love football, you look at more players, you start to see more and more, and you start to pick up habits, and you start to just start form the team that you kind of are, are, are building towards. Yeah, and I think, I think I, I still think it gets talked about, but people don't realize the, the like kind of the size of that rebuild and how many players we let go of. On a, on a personal level, though, like you're obviously moving to a new city away from your family, and like it's something Anthony and I have obviously experienced moving here as well. We're not from here; we're not even from Canada. But for you, what what kind of surprised you about the city for for better or for worse when you first moved here? Uh- you know, when I moved here, I obviously like being at Toronto for many, many years. Um, I noticed how much uh, nicer and more approachable everyone is. Um, I also noticed that um, the city is a really good size. You know, it's big enough to feel like you're in a city and had everything I needed. Also missed how much I love. You know, I also noticed how much I love and missed my family. You know, you, you know your foundation like we talked about. And I know mine, which is my son my son and daughter and wife and the fact that I wasn't with them every day made me work harder than I ever have in my life. Because I said, if I'm calling my kids at night and they're crying, I need to make sure what I'm doing here is going to be certainly worth it. So, but in regards to the city, you know, I, I, I still have only been to a few restaurants. I'm not a really going out kind of person. Um, if I find something that I like, I stay to it. Hence the style of play that's constant. I'm not a person that's, you know, like that. So I, I, I really liked it. You know, there was a lot of things to learn about it, but I didn't drive my car actually for three months. I used to ride my bike to the grounds and ride my bike to Dow. So it became uh, quite convenient. And the last thing is I, I, I really felt the the energy and the frustration of the fans. You know, you want fans to support you. And when there wasn't a voice of support, you kind of understood the pain that everyone's gone through. I can totally appreciate that they don't know me from Steve and they don't know Dan Nimick from whoever the center backs were for the past three, four years. So when they saw games that didn't meet their standards, they kind of looked at it as, as being a five-year failure rather than a brand new start. So the responsibility we had to bring joy to people was something that I took very seriously. And I would say the last thing is, you know, I also looked at it that I needed to familiarize myself with every club community. So I, kind of try to reach out with all the AUS universities, all the clubs that at least introduce myself. And, you know, to, you know, I still need to continue to do that more. And more. Yeah. You, you mentioned there, like, you're not really someone that goes out. And I do kind of, when I think of you, not that I think of you in your personal time, Patrice, but when I think of you in your personal time, I remember an interview with Arsene Wenger a few years ago and someone asked him what he did when he wasn't at training or or uh, on a match day. And he said, well, on Sunday, I watched five hours of second division German football. And then in the evening, it was like the, the, the time the Japanese games were on. So I watched all of those games as well. Just you get these absolute obsessives that want to be around the sport for as often as possible. And I kind of see yeah, you like that a bit. I'll tell you a funny story. When we got into the... Uh office at February, I set up an actual office for myself. So we took a room and I said to Matt, Fagan, I like to write on walls. He's like, what? I said, yeah, I just write on walls. And I write and I write, I write a lot. You know, one of the first things our players got when they reported was a book. 
it was a journal to write. I write a lot and, you know, I've been wanting to do more and more. And, you know, so we ended up putting all these boards all over the wall, all these bigger boards, smaller boards. And, you know, within a week came, it literally looked like a crazy person was locked in there after mm -hmm. having two bottles of bourbon. I had all kinds of writing about preseason formations and ideas and what we have to do. I, I like to really write stuff and to way of expressing my feelings. So it's uh sight for sore eyes, but it looked like a scene out of like a scary movie. You're a madman, Patrice, <laughs> and we love it. Yeah. Um, in terms of recruitment, so you you've kind of you settled in, you moved to the city, you've you've kind of had those exit talks with the players that aren't coming back. When when you're looking at what players you're gonna bring in, you you mentioned familiarity, but do you do you start with the system and work your way backwards to players who can fit into the way you see the game and you see the way football should be played? Or with kind of the way the talent in this country works, do you just go, I know there's see six amazing players available who I've worked with when they were 16 or whatever. I want them to to join us. Like what what what's the priority for you? Yeah. So I wouldn't say necessarily anything with toxic tactics have to do anything with it. Mm. You know, I know that how I wanted to play. So for me, it was fitting the principle, which meant kept the ball. That was it. That was it. It didn't have anything to do with 442, 4-3-3, 5-4-1, uh, anything. So I just said that we need players that are technical. And the next thing I did is I did a grading for players. And what I said is that I'd rather bring in a guy that's a five March 1st, but will allow me to make him a seven on November 1st. So I looked at what they were and what they could cap at. So I'm sure I made some strange decisions that people didn't appreciate, and I could totally understand that. But for me, it was looking at the end of the season and not at the front of the season. Who's willing to learn, who's willing to work, who's willing to be challenged. Because, you know, obviously, as we all know, we want that last game back. And that's what we're looking forward to next year. But we want our best at September and August, heading into October, right? So... Mm -hmm. I think for me, the way I looked at it is that what is this player today? But what will he be after eight months of our culture and training? And then the last thing, again, to reiterate is that I just said, it has to be a player that can press and it has to be a player that can keep the ball. That was it. Very simple, not deep, but character was a big part of it, obviously, as we said, because the desire to want to be get better. I guess out of all of the preseason recruitments, the one that caught the eye the most with Lorenzo Caligari, who has has kind of evolved into my favorite player that's ever been at the club. I love everything about him. I love watching him play. I feel like I learned something new about football every time I watch him live. But it just seemed really strange at the time, and it still seems strange now how someone who had come through PSG, who had played alongside Verratti <laughs> in preseason friendlies, ended up at the club. Like, was that a process you were part of, or was that more of a like Matt sort of world that deal? Yeah, Matt had started it. Obviously, yeah, Matt was uh, very diligent with his process, but was kind enough to wait to see who the coach is to make any further moves. So um I, you know, through Vaughn, I had sent a lot of guys to college. There's a gentleman who also sends a lot of French players to NCAA. I kind of connected with him to get a background check on Lorenzo. And I knew somebody else that works at LA Galaxy that's French that knew Lorenzo. So when you hear all these things, you see the video and you speak to him. You know, I'm a firm believer that sometimes when sometimes feels too good to be true, it is, right? So I, I just said, you know what? Given I like enjoy I enjoy talking to him, his his English has really improved. Um, let's roll the dice and see what happens. A lot of credit goes to Matt, but 
I just said, and I made this joke to him after the first day, I said, Lorenzo, I just said, you know, if he's colorblind, then we'll get through it. And if he has a wooden leg, then we'll manage it. You know, so my expectations was there's got to be something wrong here. And, yeah. and man, what a pleasant, what a pleasant player to be around. And what a joy. I, I love that. I love that. It's so good. Um, so you have the squad in place. And early on, once they've all arrived in Halifax, you take them all off to Florida. What what were kind of the benefits of that experience? And what do you think you learn about your players during that trip? Yeah, I, I had some weird rules. I wanted the guys not to stay in a hotel. I wanted to stay in houses. You know, in houses, there was eight of them. I didn't want them to feel like it's a frat party. You know, what I it, it was really important to build culture and take that time to use it to its benefits. Um, I think it's super important for our guys to really be a family. Um, then I came up with this thing that every house had to cook two nights over the two weeks. And they were so it's crazy, Gary. They hated it. The first day looked, looked at me like I was crazy. And then I said, hey, the winner gets a $5 gift card. And you would be shocked to know how much guys competed. Like, uh, you know, it, this is my only thing that I hold against the team. And I've been holding it in. I might as well pull my heart out. I was cheated. Our house uh, made a teriyaki sirloin one night. And the other night, barbecue chicken. And we were not voted as the winners. Aiden Daniels' house was. And it was a good taco. It wasn't amazing, but <laughs> it, it was by vote. I don't want to be a suck. So kudos to them. But I, I, that just built so much, Gary. And mm. we didn't do a bus. We did like bigger cars. So we spent a lot of time. I think what I was looking for is finding out how much better can our culture improve from day one? And what are these guys willing to do? Are they willing to run through a wall or will they ask me why are you asking why are you asking me to run through a wall so it was really important to get to know every single player we made a case of talking to every player a lot it was long days we used to have long days i mean i'll tell you gary out of the 17 days probably eight days we went from like 8 a.m to 10 p.m we got up we went to training stayed there had subs had a second session came back made dinner, had a video, and it was over at 10. So we pushed to challenge their character and their desire to want to be more. And you know what? I couldn't have asked for more. They just all kept wanting to soak in information. They wanted to push more. Florida is a great place to be. These houses were there. And, you know, I think we arrived there as a team, Gary, and we ended up leaving as a family. And I think that togetherness was really evident in as soon as the season started, really, because my next question was actually about how I I remember watching like a, a game or two. The Ottawa game was the first game, wasn't it? Then we had them in the cup. And I yeah. like personally, maybe this was because I'd watched so much of your Vaughan team during preseason to kind of figure it all out. But like how quickly like our style of play was to identify. Like I, I felt like it was really jumping off the screen instantly. And I remember I mentioned my mate Shep a lot because we always talked during the games and like, I remember messaging him. Like, it wasn't even far into the Ottawa game, just saying like, "Mate, I'm smiling. Like, I'm just enjoying this. I, this makes me feel happy because we're just doing something stylistically that we hadn't done before." Um, were you surprised at like how quickly we became so recognizable as as your team and as the new version of Halifax Wanderers? Yeah, for sure. But I will tell you, Gary, we started our meetings at January. So what I did was differently was that we had a Zoom meeting every week. 
Every week we had a Zoom meeting. So week one was about fitness. Week two was about culture. So we came up with cultural awards. So I, I wanted the guys to decide. I gave them 10 awards. They decided. And it ended up being unity, passion, and dedication. So immediately I wanted to empower them. And then the week after, we talked about how we wanted to play. So I felt like my second board, I wanted to inspire them. And then when we got to February, we started sharing our style of play. We went through deep presentation. So every week, our guys attended. So when we showed up March 1st, before we headed to Florida, our first practice, I remember sending the video to Jed. Jed hadn't come on with us yet. He's like, bloody hell, these guys are, there's no way that's your first day. And yeah, for sure, they were, they surprised me that they were well ahead of the schedule, but credit to them to soak in all that info, credit to them to do all the homework before they came and credit to our staff to prepare all the work before they came in and not just be lazy. And when they get there, just say, okay, guys, um, let's keep the ball and see what happens. I thought another, like a key feature of the team at the start of the season as well was like, we were really difficult to predict our lineup like for for a lot of the season like there was a little period where you could kind of guess but there's always a little change or two but especially at the start of the season it was almost impossible to predict what you were going to do week to week was that unpredictably un unpredictability something pre-designed did you decide you wanted to be unpredictable or yeah, were sure. you kind of workshopping different players in different positions to see what worked no 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 that was always and look uh Gary I still think we were unpredictable in the last week not many mm. people expected Jake Ruby or Zach a left back and I think for or me it's about left, left wing as well and yeah for yeah. sure I I think listen I in order for us to build a culture we have to reward every player equally you can't say you're my favorite and you have a position every week a player has a job to win what you did last week is an opportunity for you to come back and do it again. And if you don't, you're not getting the job. It's it's something I really, really believe in. And I made an example. So what you saw was guys battling every week. But what you also saw was my desire to say, well, if Gary and Anthony are on my team and they're fighting equally, why do I go to Anthony every week? Because he did better last week. Well, that's not fair to Gary. I got to give Gary a start, at least have five a fighting chance. I got to give everybody, and that's the way you can build your morale. You know, and if you look at it, everybody at some point or another had a chance to plead their case as we got to the, let's say, the final stretch. And, you know, I have to continue to remind myself and the team that we had 18 new players. And I challenge anyone to say at October, we look like a team that had 18 new players. Yeah. So credit to all the guys to continue to work and credit to them to adjust week in and week out to being unpredictable and having a different look to our opponents. How do you deal with that from like a man management perspective? If if you are kind of, if players are in and out of the team, I'm sure like in any workplace, some players will deal well with that and understand the reasons, sure. but others will get grumpy about it and moody. Is that something you kind of address yourself or as a, as a coaching staff, you kind of decide, okay, you be the arm around the shoulder guy with this player. I'll be that person with this player. I'll be the hard one with this player. Or is it, do you just kind of feel I, it out naturally? I, I like to be direct. I'm very honest, Gary. I, I, I find that our, you know, when you think about uh, how many years we really li live, if you live, you know, 70 years, in your 70 years of your life, how many summers are there? So when you start to break down, really, it's not about the days, it's about the seasons and it's about the years. We don't have a lot of time. We have to be honest with each other, right? So for me, I, I just tell you straight up, Gary, listen, man, um, 
you have you haven't been great. Your attitude and the fact that you're not adjusting to competition is not well. And I go back to empowering. When the world of football ends and you go work at a bank and you and Anthony are working against each other at a promotion and you don't get it, although you may think you deserve it, you could hold your breath and get fired and go home and tell your wife and kids that we no longer have a house to live in. Or you could do your best to prove people wrong. So for me, it's about direct honesty. And I would tell you, Gary, you're not starting because of X, Y, Z. I would tell you the reason without any hidden agenda. Now, did you appreciate it or not? That's up to you how you took it. So I think that was really important. So I would say the clear word for us was communication. Yeah, and I think players probably appreciate their consistency as well because they always know where they stand. They're never second guessing it. And I think that's important to people. Um, yeah, absolutely. Season started with a lot of draws, retrospectively, yeah. six six months later. <laughs> now all the dust has cleared on that. Like, how do you look back on that period? Like, have you identified a reason for it? Or is it just, because I personally think it was just a fluke. It was just a weird coincidence. Yeah. But, you know, Gary, um, I don't want to um, start becoming very nostalgic on this chat. And I think, like, maybe that's like an after midnight show we need to do. <laughs> but I think everything, everything happens for a reason, you know. Sure, we all wanted the season to start 6-0. and But if we did, what would be the repercussions? Well, we wouldn't have worked out on defending crosses. We wouldn't have learned that who is a better defender. You know, we started the season with two complete different center backs that finished the season. So we needed to go through the trials and errors and understanding that what are our problems? The fact that none of these 18 new players, the fact that many of them had never played a CPL game, and as great as it was for Florida, for us to gain a cultural code, we also didn't have CPL competition. So we needed to test ourselves. We needed to find out our limits and we needed to find out what we fine tune. But I'd rather go through those trials and errors at the beginning and fix it and earn the win rather than just saying, I just want to win so I could feel good about myself. No, it's got to be about earning it. It's got to be about us doing the right thing every minute for 90 minutes. Definitely. Yeah. And I, I do remember the conversations Anthony and I were having at the time on here. Like, and I feel like we were always pretty positive. Like we could always kind of see that the, there was so much progress going on. Um, but moving, moving to the first home game against Vancouver, and I promise we're not going to go game by game here. Just, just focusing no, on this one. <laughs> and I wanted to like, not necessarily talk about the game, but when I think back to that game and I contrast it with the Pacific game, at the end of the season and the difference in atmosphere from the stadium, from the stands between that first home game against Vancouver, when I felt like people were quite cautious and almost like they were feeling you out and feeling the team out because oh, sure. they'd been burnt before. And then the Pacific game to end the season where I thought the atmosphere was electric in my stand, especially yeah. it was, people were really up on their feet and reacting to everything. And I feel like it was night and day if you compare the atmosphere of yeah. those two games. Yeah, I remember so, it very quick. Yeah, as a sure. coach and as a coaching staff and a playing staff, like what discussions did you have around how to re-engage the supporters with the players and the team, and and like how proud do you feel at the job you did if you compare those two games? Yeah, you know, it was one of the first things I insisted on the most, Gary. I said, you know, and if you've seen the losses and you've seen my reaction, I don't let anybody go to the change room. They're coming out to greet you guys with the same way as we want. It is not your fault if we want to lose. And we will fall short sometimes. That's the game. If anybody thinks it's different, um, then, you know, they, they have to reconsider attending professional sports. 
but that doesn't mean we don't give you the credit. So for me, it was about understanding and learning about you guys and you guys learning about us. You guys trusting this team and saying, hey, man, whatever's in the past is in the past. Let's give them a fair shake. Let's give them a fair chance. And maybe we win because we were better, not because the other team was worse. Maybe we lose because we just made some mistakes because we're young. We finished on Scout as the youngest team in the league, mm. which is incredible. So I felt like there was a lot of growth and we needed it. But the first thing I said, and if you look at it, we shake hands and we say thank you after the game. Regardless, you could boo us, you could hate us, you could throw things at us. We will say thank you because you paid your money. You spend your weekend to be there to support us. If you're disappointed, we'll make you proud. And the other thing that I said is get the crowd up. If people are sitting, that means they're not being entertained. You know, it was kind of like my uh, Maximus speech. Win them over. Go out as, you know, gladiator and win them over. Get them to stand up and Callum and Kel and Tiago. Some of them are great orchestrators of that. They constantly got the fans up. So they learn their hand actions, their tackles, and they learn what you guys wanted. And you guys learned that what they had to offer. I think every single player on that team fought for their shirt in city. And I think you guys did all you could as supporters to boost us. And, and you know, you couldn't have said it better. The Vancouver game to Pacific was night and day. It, it, it was insane. It, it really, the turnaround and the trust that we built for each other was incredible. With, with the that, that first game at home, like obviously the, one of the big selling points for the city is the fans and the fact that it's packed out. Like, was it... Was it like you'd expected it to be, or like was it like totally different when you're walking out that first game? Because as Gary said, we were all like a little bit apprehensive. How, how was yeah. the feeling when you just walked out that first game? For me, it was great, you know, to be in front of you guys and doing all the things before. But I know a lot of people kept bringing up this comment that I, I felt like some of our guys were nervous, Anthony, seeing you guys. They have not played in front of passionate fans, but a little bit of the passion was also, let's be quite honest with each other and say, a little of the passion also was just a little bit was also with frustration. So the moment something goes wrong, when you're frustrated with your kid, you're like, oh, here we go again. They're going to let us down. And I felt like that our guys didn't know how to understand you and support you and win those games for you. So when I made that comment that they almost seem nervous, they have not a lot of these guys have played in front of 6,500 fantastic supporters like you guys. So... I think when we left the last game, Anthony, I think the biggest takeaway that I had is that those guys can't wait for the next day for it to happen. You know, there is nothing like the adrenaline of football. You know, I look at football like an art, you know, and when you think of an artist, what's the greatest thing that an artist can do? Share its masterpiece with an audience. If you have a great painting and you don't show it to anyone, what good is it? You know, really think about that. So, you know, I, I think it was so important for them to show their masterpiece and work for you guys and build that connection. So I was really proud of that. I never had any doubts that the day would come. I felt connected and engaged with you guys. I just, you know, talked to the guys and said, hey, whatever it is, you're there because they're there for you. So that was the only thing I could have, you know, preached and talked to them about. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, yeah, and that and the the first win when it did come was obviously against Valor to Callum Wilson goal. Yeah. Callum Watson goal, sorry. Um, if you kind of being honest with yourself now, looking back, do you think leading into that game when it had been 
eight was it eight games or nine games without a win were you starting to feel any kind of pressure yourself or did For you always sure. kind of feel focused on now nah, we're going to turn this um, around um I, I you know gary everybody's different um you know and i use this example with our guys you look at a a sign that has words but color you may see the words i see the color everybody's different pressure allows me to do more Certainly, that was the game. I'm like, this is not it. I'm not letting this get away. I mean, I've gone to uh, dark and deep places to do the hours to prep, but that was a week that I just said, no, this is not getting away. I mean, I, I really think every day was 16 to an 18-hour day. Every day, I blocked everything out, and I said, we're going to get this. And so did our staff and our players. You know, So, you know, you talk about earning something, we earned that win. We earned that win. We got a clean sheet. We were tactically superb. We were clinical. We could have more goals. And now it's a good team. Valor is a good team. It's no discredit to them. So I think like um, when the game ended, I won't feel forget that feeling. I certainly feel the weight of the world was gone. But I never gave that impression to the guys. I never stopped believing. I never stopped panicking. But I also never thought that my first pro win would come nine games into this season. I believe in myself more than anybody. You know, uh, you can't become something you can't see. So I, 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 I wanted it to come earlier, but I appreciate the fact that we had to earn it and be patient for it. Yeah, and I guess the most pleasing thing, though, was that despite the win taking a little while, the performances were there way before the first result was there. Um, and, I've, I, and I really do think a lot of people recognize that. Um, but then, of course, the first win comes and suddenly you start going on a little run. Um, we beat Pacific, Avery, Ottawa, Forge, last season's top four. And when you're kind of putting the points on the board all of a sudden, like we can talk all we want about player quality and tactics and systems. But do you think momentum and confidence is probably the most underrated aspect of team performance? Well, for sure. Listen. I think, you know, the, the other thing you have to put there is familiarity, like comfort. And comfort, we use comfort in a in a way of saying, well, being in your, you got to get out of your comfort zone. So I don't mean it that way, but just them understanding me. I'm like, I'm an intense guy. I'm super passionate. So that could be mistaken sometimes by the guys. You know, I'm so detail oriented. Things have to be regimented. My, like, my prep on game days is insane. It's almost exhausting. You know, let alone what I go through the whole week. You know, I have a ritual and our players were kind of getting used to each other. But the biggest word I could say was the confidence. We started to feel a rhythm. We started to feel confident. You know, um, your your mind does curious things, Gary. It does it all the time, all the time at any given point. And you start to say, well, it's not meant to be. The world is against me. It's never going to happen. Self-doubt is okay. And I think the worst thing you can do is to think that's weak. We all go through it, all three of us. It's okay to own it, admit it, and turn that into a positive feeling and push more. You know, and I think that's what we got out of our guys. You know, like being nervous for games, people look at that as a weakness. I don't. If you're nervous, you're excited. You feel pressure for a game. Well, guess what? Pressure is a privilege. The reason we felt pressure, Gary, against Pacific is because it was a playoff game. If that was our last game of the season and we were battling for seventh and eighth, well, the good news is you don't have any pressure, but it's a meaning, meaningless game. So for me, it was a lot of about those important feelings to understand, but confidence and rhythm and unity and 
passion and dedication was so evident and hopefully something that all of our supporters saw. Definitely. Yeah, I think that's perfectly put. Um, Like around that time, like I mentioned, there were some big wins against Pacific Cavalry Ottawa, but there was one night that I kind of want to zoom the camera in on because it was just I for me personally in terms of football memories it was a really special night like I've been lucky enough to be at North London derbies where Arsenal were one five five two sorry Anani I've seen like Arteta score a last minute winner to beat Man City I've seen my hometown club Russian and Diamonds get promoted into League Two I've had all these wonderful football memories but for me there was something about that Forge game the two one that yeah. just is really, really special to me. And I'm not sure why. Maybe it was a strength of emotion I felt afterwards because of the manner of the win, who it was against. But I was wondering for you personally, like what are your memories of of, of that night? What stands out for you when you think back to it? Yeah, I, I think, you know, it was a really important game for me as well, Gary. I think, um, you know, when I looked at things, uh, we we played Forge last year, four games. We lost all four games. But I'll go deeper and say we didn't score a goal against them. We had zero goals against them, and we lost 4 nothing at home. I've known their coach for 20 years. Him and I really started things at Ontario Soccer on the stream that when his youth team with Kyle Becker would play mine. So I felt comfortable that I know we can match up. But that was a game that was really a test for us. Okay, we put a little run together. All right, we got some belief in continuity and rhythm sure we have unity passion dedication but can you stand up against like uh your boogeyman you know the guy who haunts you the guy that when you close your eyes you know the little kid at uh, junior school who was a a, a wanker and took your uh, <laughs> lunch and and was always mean to you are you ready to stand up <laughs> to him when you're 18 when you see him again at the bar and i and i felt like it was our moment to stand up and i mean you couldn't have asked for a better story. I'm sure every fan wanted us to win that game 1-0. But what exciting would it have been if they didn't score the goal at the 88th minute for us to set up the goal at the 109th minute. I think that's the night that CPL and myself and you found out who dynamic is to take that PK with a five-minute wait or four minutes and there's like 30 seconds. is not easy. Um, we had been starving or... Uh, we're questioning if we're ever going to get a penalty. You know, the year before having two pen 10 penalties and having none was something that was on all of our mind. And to come in there and give up a goal and say, you know what, man, it's okay. We're going to score the next one. It was about the response that really said who we were. So, you know, I created a book. Here's the book. You guys can see it. You know, I'm all about memoirs. We gave it out to the guys tonight. Oh, it's nice. all about pictures and moments. And I always give a word to every game, Gary. Resilient, disappointed, revenge, whatever it is. And you know what? For that night, for me, it was about response. 1-0. We, you know, we're the team that had a lot of leads. Um, they tied it. Don't worry about it. Respond. And that was great. So I agree. It was a very special night for me. Um, Bobby being a longtime friend and being able to win that really was something that I enjoyed in a positive way and being able to stand up to our uh, boogeyman was something that I thought gave our group to say the, the power to say you know what we're, we got juice we're special we can do something great this year and years to come 
how do you manage the emotions after a game like that? Because obviously you've got a group of of young men who have just had one of one of the best experiences of their life to win in that fashion and the adrenaline yeah. and the adulation, but you know you need to kind of mentally put them back in a place where on Monday the focus is back, they've got a week of preparation for the next game. Like yeah. is is that difficult or do you find with professional athletes that's more something that internally they can do without too much trouble? Yeah, you, you say ideally a professional athlete will, right? But we gotta understand, Gary, that having so many first year pro, um and I said that earlier, so I don't want to contradict myself. I said, I'll take a chance on them because they have the technical ability and desire to get better. So it required education. So you know what? The one thing I always said to them was never too high, never too low. You lose a game, it's okay. Don't worry about it. We'll manage it next week. You know, if you see the Ottawa game, Gary, you know, someone made a comment to me when they scored to make it 2-2, look at my reaction on the sideline. I'm standing and when we won a 3-2 and everybody was going crazy, I stood still and it was fine because I know it's never too high, never too low. Only a week later for us to lose to Vancouver in the 97th minute. You're going to win some games last minute and you're going to lose some games last minute. So my message to them was enjoy the night, enjoy the day after, understand that you did something great, but this is about your legacy and your legacy isn't about a night. Your legacy is about something of a long run. You know, be responsible. You may go out and have a great weekend, but understand, you'll never remember that weekend in five years. But you will remember that win in 10 years. And I will remember that win in 10 years. I could guarantee you that. And hopefully so will some of our fans. So for me, the message was never too high, never too low. We start going to work on Monday. But do enjoy the win. You know, I don't want to be a dictator and say it's always being stiff and not enjoying it. You have to, but be responsible. Definitely, yeah. Um... And like I said, around that time, we we really started to put points on the board. We really started to become a playoff team. You obviously are someone who cares a lot about the tactical side of the game, the system side of it. And I don't really want to get too into that. But just in terms of other teams getting used to us and not figuring us out, because I don't think anyone could ever really figure us out completely. But did you, towards the end of the season, start to try and tweak things a little bit just to kind of show some different faces in different games. And like we went to five at the back at one point. Um, sometimes we play with a diamond midfield instead of a box midfield. Is that something you felt like you you had to do to kind of keep yourself yeah, unpredictable? For sure. Yeah, it goes to your point earlier, right? Being unpredictable. But our principles don't change. So tactics can, but your principles don't. Because now here I am, Gary. And, you know, if you look at, let's say, 100% of our practices, 70% of it is built on ball possession football. So I'm all of a sudden going to change everything we did for six months. Say, okay, guys, we're going to be direct. I was lying to you. We're not that good with the ball. That's it. Throw it in. So our principles remain the same, but the tacticals, you know, things needed to be tweaked. The one thing that's so important, and, you know, I know a lot of people were, uh, but my favorite color is orange. Anthony, if you wanted to know, I know that was one of the questions. Favorite color is orange. Um, one of the biggest takeaways for me this year in CPL is you had to play the same opponent four times. Hmm. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. So if you're going to have the exact same lineup the exact same way, yeah, you can give it a goal. But to be unpredictable may give you a little bit of an edge. You know, for me, the night that pops about that is the night with Pacific at Pacific when we introduced nine new starters. I still say that to my phone when I think the announcer is Nigel Breedbone before the game. He's like, my, my, whatever do you make of this Wonders lineup with a lineup and players we did not 
expect. And I thought Pacific for 30 minutes, we're not sure what we were trying to do. So the element of surprise is always going to help you. It's You have a reason why you're doing it. I, I think back to that game as well, because I was like, after five minutes, I was like, Zayden Daniels playing as part of a double pivot in the center of midfield and oh, <laughs> Fump was playing as a wing back. And, and it was like, and if we're, we're kind of like obsessively watching the team every week. And if it's taken us 15, 20 minutes to get our heads around it, then Pacific, who obviously have analysts and watch the yeah. games, but it's going to take them that long as well. Um, yeah, Riley played left wing back in that mm-hmm. game and inverted. And Theo was a left winger who went outside. He was a left attacking mid, but he went out. I mean, I don't, everybody was like, what's happening? Even when <laughs> I pitched the idea to Jed and Jordan and Jan, they thought I was crazy. The first game we played, uh, Pacific was crazy because when we were doing goal kicks, Zach was playing right back. Zach went for the goal kicks as a center forward. Mass was a center forward, one right wing, and our right winger went right back. Like, I just think you have to excite your players with different ideas. Do they always work? Of course not, but you got to give it a try to really find what the boundaries are. Definitely. Uh, so, something that's always because I've never even gone near a coaching badge, so I have no idea how this works, but and I've always thought this of Arsenal when Arsenal kind of we have a way of playing, but then at the weekend, suddenly Arteta's building in like a 3 1 6 instead of a 3 2 5. And you're like, and I always wonder, do you have to like, if you make that decision on the Monday, do you then suddenly have to pivot all your training sessions to oh, fit into sure. that shape? Yeah. Absolutely. Just... Yeah. Our guys, Gary, know our lineup two days before we go. Not that I give it, I don't give it. But on the first day, we start like having a kind of a uh, revisiting the game over the weekend and then we start prepping. We start talking about our opponents. We do a lot of video work and credit to Jed, who does amazing work with that. But then I introduced the lineup at least three days. But guys do get a chance to fight on the third day before the game. Second day, you're still fighting. And then the last day when we take sets, all of our guys go into every game, 99% knowing who's starting or not. So for sure, if you have a plan, you have to support it. You can't just throw it out there. I'm a guy that believes in preparation, you know, you know, and, and, and I ask you and Anthony and think about it. What is confidence? Confidence isn't me sitting here and rubbing my hands and saying, Gary, you guys have the best podcast. And you start to believe that there has to be a level of preparation that allows you to develop that confidence. And that's what we did with our guys. We talked to them about having confidence, but we prepared them with video and training and a lot of like personal conversation to lead them into that. And you know, our guys constantly continue to believe, so credit to them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, another another feature of that game, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that, I think that was Daniel Henry's first start for the club as yeah. well. And- uh, York. We played York on the Monday and we went to Pacific on Friday. So his oh, okay. first start was on the Monday, September 4th. But who's counting? Yeah, um, well, I'm, I'm like fascinated how you manage that situation because you've got a Canadian international player coming into the group who incredibly distinguished career obviously wants to get back to like an MLS sort of level sure. but you've also got a centre-back pairing in Kale Loffrey and Dan Nimick who have been pretty flawless for the entire season and that tension between you've got someone arriving who you, you kind of you need to give him minutes to get his fitness up but you've also sure. got this thing in place that you don't really want to change like how 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 do you do that? Like, how do you manage that situation? Because again, I've never been in a situation in my work life where I have to make that sort of decision. Like, what do you do? Yeah, yeah for sure. Listen, I mean, um, we're, again, back to direct honesty and communication with Daniel. When Daniel came in, we needed to 
grows fitness. And if you watch them, first game was 10 minutes and we gradually grow in more and more. But credit to Daniel to also being patient. And you have heard him say, I mean, he gives the world of compliments to Dan and Kale. So I thought like for him, he was also patient and continued to believe that the guys ahead of them were they're earlier, they're younger, they're fitter. So he was very patient. All we could do is communicate and say, listen, your time will come. And that week in a matter of eight days, he ended up playing three starts. He ended up going to York, Pacific on Friday, and Calgary on Tuesday. So, you know, credit to him again, to being patient and continuing to understand. And our guys for being honest and just telling him exactly what the message was. Yeah. Um, we're in the last like, three or four questions of mine now before and kicks off some listener questions. Um, sure. So... We found ourselves in a playoff race to the surprise of me and most other supporters. If you'd have asked us at the start of the season, I I always maintained that finishing anything higher than last season was the target, but we kind of sure. cleared that by distance. Were you surprised yourself to find the team in that position in year one? Um, I knew, uh, you know, my goal was to make the playoffs, scary, but um, I mean, to say we ended up finish tied for second place is not something I expected. I think we skipped a year. I think we're a year ahead of our my trajectory of the team. And, you know, it was a lot of the results that we fought, a lot of results that didn't need tactics, and we kind of really dig deep. Um, you know, nobody will ever know. The reason we're so good at home this year was also the challenge we had on the road. Going on the road, you know, no one will know what it feels like going to Victoria. There's no direct flight. It takes 16 to 18 hours with a four-hour time difference. And we went there and did well. You know, we took two ties. So I think we did a lot of good things. There's areas that we have to improve and look at and say, what can we do better? But um, when we were in that position, yeah, I would say that I felt I, I knew we were going to be a special team, Gary. But I just thought that the growing pains are not going to go away that quickly. I was not going to take my foot off the gas. And, you know, the one thing that's my biggest message to every fan is, you know, God, and again, I don't want to get philosophical, but all of our time will come when we face, when our time's up and we have to go. I want to choose how I go. I hope it's in a great moment with my family near a football pitch. And for me, we're going to lose. But I want, and, and for me, losing is like literally like dying. Nobody takes a loss like I do. And, shuts down, but I reboot the day after. So losing is dying. I want to choose how I die, Gary. And dying, I want to die with joy and playing football. And if we lose, it's okay. I don't need to win to bring belief to our fans and supporters. I hope they see what we're trying to build. So the fact that we started not dying and surviving and winning and playing the way we wanted was important, but it was in my mind. And I can't stress it. I was saying we're going to go through those death moments, but I want it to be the way I want to die and we want to die. That was something that was really important for the team. Yeah, I love that answer. Um, and kind of talking of beauty and joy and the best parts of this sport, we had some fantastic performances down the stretch. I think of the away wins in York and Valor, the two three nils against Vancouver and Valor at home and beating Forge again. And I was just wondering, like, as a coach, obviously, this is a job. You've prepared all week. You've got your professional <laughs> head on. But do you allow yourself moments in those games where you kind of step outside of being the head coach of the club and just 
enjoy a passage of play that brought everyone to their feet or enjoy seeing pattern play you'd worked on in training come off and just the beauty of the sport can you still engage with that as a coach or is it too difficult because you're too swept up in what's happening yeah it's a tough one Gary I never thought about that I mean I, I like to say I'm a super intense individual but as you hear all my things and my metaphors I'm extremely passionate and I believe again football's an art right so I, I do appreciate some great moments like it's the craziest thing. Dan's winding up. He got the ball from Rampy. He's about to hit the ball. I'm like, no, Dan, don't do it. Play short. Dan hits it. Mass takes it across his body and scores. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> like, you know, and I just had to take a deep breath and say, flip. I got the best seat in the house to see something exceptional. Um, but for me, Gary, it's really important for you guys to appreciate that in my family. You know, I'm I'm hoping that I leave a legacy behind that my kids can be proud of. But most importantly, you guys can say, I really enjoyed that. So, sure, I want to be involved in it and just enjoy that moment. But it's maybe not as often as I should be because I'm kind of like trying to look at it at the video the day after. Because I always said, never too high, never too low. You score that great goal, you got to be prepared. Something, you start going crazy and celebrating it. They come right down and they score so, you know, it's it's that balance. It's that balance. I should enjoy it more, for sure. But you're not allowed to have bourbons during the game. Um, <laughs> I thought about bringing a water bottle, but it has to be a Gatorade one. So we'll see. I'll we, work on it, Gary. I'll work you, on it. You still have Johan Cruyff smoking cigarettes on the touchline. So I imagine <laughs> a few a few coaches. I bet Brian Clough used to drink anyway during the games. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I like so, mine. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So two more questions. Um, so firstly, to just touch on the Pacific game, mm-hmm. I, I, I wrote in a blog like nine times out of 10, it's impossible that we lose that game. But for sure, just sometimes it's not your day. Have you no. have you watched the game back yet or is it still too raw? Um, I watched it that night three times a day after and three times a day after it. I could pretty much if you were to pull up a minute and I could tell you what happened every minute. Um. You could look as much as you want. You can ask the big guy for answers and he doesn't often answer us. I think I don't want to be disrespectful to Pacific and say you play that game anytime you win it. But I will say you play that any game, any other time you win it, right? Um, I think it's playoff game. The fact that they scored first allowed them to think they had something in the bank. When you have money in the bank, you're going to fight harder for it. If that game was 0-0 on those chances and our waves started coming, we would have scored because they would have just been exhausted. And to be honest, Gary, the worst thing that happened to us, and everybody thinks differently, and this is why my mind is so uh, different in its own way and its complexity, is the fact that they played Wednesday really hurt us. It really hurt us. And the reason that I say that is two. One it gave a narrative of their coach to say, it's us against the world. Nobody believes we're going to win. One, that's a huge selling point to any player. Two, the fact that anytime we play Pacific, they would press high, they're really a high line. It allowed us to play our football. But the fact that they sat on such a low line and let us have the ball the whole game actually made it more dangerous. We needed them to be higher. We needed them to open up to score early. The fact that they scored early and they shut it down was 
almost a, a challenge that, you know, we obviously didn't overcome. But I'm proud of the guys. I don't regret a moment. I don't regret a thing. You know, I know that leading into that game, obviously the fact that we're so wealthy, so wealthy at fullbacks, Riley, Zach, Jacques, and Wesley, it's it's a difficult decision. They all want to play, but, you know, two games before that, Jacques shut down all of the Forges' left side and crossed the ball for Mass to score. So I think we live in a world that we want things to happen for us at our, its own convenience. I'm sorry, I call him Jacques. It's an inside joke. Jake Ruby. <laughs> I, I was thinking it. We didn't it like, all this time. Wow. And he's like, who the hell is Jacques? How many presidents has he had? I apologize. Jake. Um, I think Jake's a guy that was leading into things at its moment. And Wesley came in and did the job we could ask. And so did Zach and so did Riley. You know, it's 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 our continued belief of the team. So, you know, it's it's um our mind works on convenient ways. When something works, yeah, I'm all for it. You did what you had to. And when it doesn't work, well, why didn't you do it? Well, you know, remember the good moments and remember the bad moments. And like I said, I choose my death. And I hope when the day comes, I do. Perfect. And yeah, last question from me, Patrice. Um, so seeing the way the supporters were on that day and how engaged they were, how passionate they were, and I've I've said this a few times in like the vlog and on here, but like it's really felt like the city has fallen back in love with the football club again, yeah. which I think is a bigger achievement than than even reaching the playoffs. To be honest, that re-engagement was so important. Yeah. Um, and how how satisfying is that for you to kind of look back on this season as that being something that you've achieved? Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, I would say like beyond the fact that we have a, several nominations because it's recognition for our players. You know, I, I I don't know how often we've had that many nominations. It's very rewarding for the city and the team. But the fact, you know, like um, if there is this question, I'll skip it and get to it. What is my biggest regret is the fact that we couldn't get a goal. Because I was like, and my family flew in the day before and they were sitting at one of four and they were like, if a goal came, I literally thought they could hear us in Toronto. The place mm -hmm. would have erupted. So my biggest regret is we couldn't get that goal. But I asked this question. When the final whistle was blown, you weren't in our change room to see the pain. You weren't in our change room to hear what our guys said. You know, and when our said, when we were at our award show tonight, I said, hey, man, you know, I'm really sad that I have to go to this award show and not be there for you guys. And I'm really sad that we're not playing. But we have 370 days. We have a head start on those two teams. And that's what everybody in that change room said. Were we ready to be in the finals? Maybe, Gary. Maybe. But would have we skipped a few steps that needed to be required? Were we ready? Uh, yeah, for sure. We shown we beat Forge and Calgary. You know, if you take away the stats of the league and take away our games against the top four teams, you're going to find something crazy, Gary. That's your homework tonight. I want you to take the top four teams that finished, take take away the bottom four, take their games against each other, and you'll see where we would have finished off. So we always do well against top teams. But, you know, I just think that we needed more uh, consistency. And, you know, the, 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 the we didn't have a lot of games at home that we didn't score. So it was a sad one, sad way to end. 
but also a, a thirst that needs to be quenched and an addiction that our guys have now to play in front of you guys. Because the purest moment I had was to look at our guys 45 minutes outside with you guys after the game ended. You didn't need to stay there after we lost. But neither did they. So to see that partnership was something that I was like, this season is beyond the success. Forget the points, forget the playoffs, forget all that. I look at the world differently than some. And for me, the success came from the trust that was built between all of you guys. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, and listener questions, what have you got? I've got a ton, but we'll uh, we'll try and get through as many as we can. But before we do, I, I do have just one question for you. So, sure. um, you know, you've mentioned culture has been hugely important, and you've kind of you've mentioned it a few times. How important is having that cultural foundation coming into next year? Because obviously, um, we're going to have some people changing, we're going to have some people staying. So, how important is it to have that foundation there for the new people coming in that they know what's expected? Yeah, listen, you know, uh, look at it, Anthony. The guys who started. Uh, any player you take, how do they start the season? How do they finish the season? I hope everybody improved. So for us to make a lot of changes, that means we're starting brand new from scratch. So there's the continuity aspect. But the fact that now we have a set culture, when new guys come in, they know what the house rules are. You know, it's like when you have, um, and I have two kids, life was different with my first kid than it was the second kid because you know the ropes a lot more. So now that you have these, 12, 13, 14, 15 guys, when they welcome the new guys, everybody knows we're about unity, passion, and dedication. This is how we play football. This is what we train. Here's our fans. Here's what we do. So I think it's extremely important, extremely important, because um, I'm sure I'm excited to start the season with six ties, but I'm really hoping to avoid that next season. I'm really hoping to avoid that. So I think that culture will be a big part of that. Love it. So uh, let's get into some questions here. Uh, so this one's from Spen Pearson. Um, what have you got gotten better as as a coach over the course of this season? What have I gotten better? Um, I think like, um, hmm, interesting. So I would say, you know, taking the losses was really a difficult thing for me, Anthony. You know, I coached at Seneca College in Vaughan for two and a half years. I lost one game. To go and lose more than one game. And when I tell you my metaphor of death and loss, I am not kidding. My wife will tell you I don't speak after a loss. I don't take it well. So I needed to learn that this league is not is is different. The parodies, you know, what you've seen. And there's gonna be games we lose and take my own advice that I give the guys. Never too high, never too low. By the way. You lose, put it in a box, bury it, move on. Love it. Uh, this one's from Derek Simon. Um, what What are your goals for the team in 2024? And what areas of the team can you improve on to help challenge for a title next season? Yeah, I think, you know, um, when you look at our team, you know, if I could look at the staple of the league and say Forge, you know, Forge ended up getting... 21 goals from their three center forwards, and we were nowhere close to that, right? So I think we need to have more of a positional reference in regards of scoring goals. So that'll be important. You know, I think Mass really stepped up near the end of the season. But I also said in every interview that I had earlier in the season, we're not going to be a team with a guy with 15 goals. 
we're a guy with a whole bunch of guys. So we do need more guys to chip in. So I think that's something, you know, to bringing more guys that are footballers, part of our culture, but can help with the goals. And I think, uh, yeah, that, that's the biggest one. Nice. Um, this one's from Denton. Oh, sorry, Anthony. Oh, goals. Yeah, sorry. Go what ahead. are my goals? My goals, I, I, you know, the problem is, Anthony, you and Gary are so popular in the city and with our guys, and I'm not going to put pressure on our guys, but I know my goal. My goal, without saying it, to put pressure on the guys, it happens in 370 days, and we all know what happens this Saturday. It starts with an F and ends with an S, and I hope that's where we are next year. So, you know, um, am I? do I think it's a make it or break it? No, absolutely not. I want to continue building this. I thought we were going to win the league in the finals in three years. That was my goal of the project. But I, I, I think given the fact that we have sped up some of our process and we skipped a few steps, why not keep it going? Love it, love it. Um, this one's from Denton, as you know, Dave Denton, the privateer. Your wife kindly made him a hat yes. and stuff for like that. Um, so uh, he wants, he's like, let's get some constructive criticism. What's sure. one thing that you want from the fans next year that would help the players? So just the one thing is, you know, I say be mindful. You guys are amazing fans. You have a voice, you pay money to go, and you have an opinion for your rights. But just be right. And understand that because all of our guys know your support, they're going to read it. They're going to know what you're saying. So just be supportive and understand that when we lose, there's going to be dark days and there's going to be bright days. But, you know, the word that I came up with the seventh game of the season, we're always together. We don't ever say let's go out and lose on purpose. We're always going to win every game and try our best to win every game. So stick together, believe in them and understand that they're always going to fight for you. As long as I'm here, I'm going to fight for you. Because to have the fans, and as I said to you, to have an artist to display our work in front of passionate fans with this new stadium hopefully to come is something that I've always dreamed of. And so has every boy. So be patient with them and understand that you're going to be disappointed. But sometimes we lose because we lose. Great. Um, so this one's from Daniel Sequeira. I'm hoping I'm saying his, his last name right. Um, looking. Uh, so what's your biggest priority this off season? Um, I think you know, and I don't want to give a lack of credit to our team, Anthony. For me to start saying I want to get every new position is a discredit, <laughs> and everything I've gone against. But we do need uh, goals. We do need someone else that can help us with goals and. You know, obviously, we had a lot of rotational changes considering from Kosi to Theo to uh, Massimo up front to Joao up front um, and Thiago, you know, having five different nines kind of didn't allow us to have the continuity I wanted. So I'm hoping next year we come in with a more certain idea and be able to stick to it. So obviously, Joao's injury didn't help us, given us given the goal. So for me, that'll be the biggest one, having... Um, other nines that are going to be able to come in and chip in goals and stick to our principles and cultural code. So this is kind of a follow-up from another question, but you don't have to answer if you don't want to. It's from uh, Andrew uh, Beeman. Uh, what happened with Theo uh, Colomb? His minutes per goal was fantastic. He finished the season third in the squad on goals with only five starts. What was the reason he wasn't selected more? Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't want to talk about an individual player, but here's what I'll say. Every player is held responsible for their actions every day. 
Just because they did something at a game doesn't make a difference. You have to come into work. I mean, Anthony, can you go to your job and say you had a good week of work and the next week you don't have to do your work? I don't know. I'm not sure what kind of work we do, but there's not a lot of those. So we looked at our guys daily. I think Theo scored some really, really important goals. One of the best goals I've seen in the CPL in Ottawa. But, you know, my the guy that ended up playing left wing um, is also up for players, player of the year, Massimo Ferrum with eight goals and three assists. So I think that kind of ended up working itself out. So I think Theo helped us and Mass helped us. And we just kind of needed to find a way of continuing to build and help people, you know, hold people responsible for daily actions that you and Gary and other people don't see. Okay, that's a good answer. Uh, this one's from Carlos Benitez, who runs the Palato del Maple. Am I saying that right, Gary? I like Carlos. Carlos, yeah. what's up? Yeah, he's a good man. Um, so uh, he wants to know how many notebooks you use per season and which CPL player would you love to have in your team, although he knows you're happy with the current squad? Yeah. Um, I, like I said, and our, our coaches laugh when I say this. So I write on walls. I write everywhere. Like I'm, you know, like... Uh, you're like my kids. <laughs> what was that movie? The guy, and I hate to use this the, reference. The, the Shining? A beautiful, oh God, beautiful, come beautiful on. Mind. Oh, mind. <laughs> I was going to say beautiful mind, but okay. Oh, signing. And I write a lot of books and you saw one of them apparently tossed at the Forge game. But yeah, my book is, uh, you know, uh, uh, after you guys giving me a late night, the least I can do is kind of share it to you. This is a really thick book of one of many. And, you know, you could see that this big book is all gone through. With wow. all kinds of things, you know, I write in it, I draw in it, I write my feelings and uh, thoughts and what we're trying to do and list to do. So I would say a lot of books. Which player would I love to have in CPL? Um, I actually would turn that around then, Carlos, and say, we give them what we build. There's a lot of players that want to come here. And it's not only because of our style. It's because of you guys. I, you would be shocked to know how many key players that are all-stars came up to me after the game and said, man, I got I got to find a way of getting here next year. And that's a lot of credit to you guys. Love it. Uh, this one's from uh, Max Bettman. Um, this is the first season, I think, where public safety issues have had an effect on match days. We had two postponements. Uh, how does this extra time between the originally scheduled matches affect both yours, the staff, and the players' moods regarding uh, preparations? Well, step one, I hope they happen all the time because um, we had two of them when we won both, Ottawa and Pacific, when they got that delight. <laughs> but um, it's extremely challenging, man. I mean, the Ottawa game was crazy. We didn't know there's a hurricane. We didn't know what's happening. We didn't know what we're going about. And it's crazy that Ottawa was actually accusing us of trying to do something funny. And I, I wanted to say, look outside. The power's out on Saturday. But um, listen, it's not easy for them. It's not easy for us. Um, our guys are staying engaged. You're not sure if you're training tomorrow, you're playing. So for me, that's really about your resilience. If you've built a good culture, Anthony, you're going to have the necessary juice to overcome it. So um, credit to our culture, both of those games, Ottawa and Pacific, the famous fog game, we ended up winning both because our guys are like, no problem. I'll see it through. I'll stay concentrated and stay focused. The key for us was, hey, no matter what, no matter where, no matter Anything, we're going to win. We're going to win. Just stay focused. 
Love it. Um, so this is from uh, Kerry Ryan. In your opinion, who has the best fish and chips in the HRM? Can I do like a pass? I have not gone out. I've gone to like three restaurants. I'm going to say... Uh, I'm going to say uh, Aiden uh, Daniels, probably. Uh, <laughs> oh, man, he rigged that. That guy rigged the winning it. And Aiden, if you hear me, I know that you know. And that's the most important thing. But sorry, it's still hurting me, as you can tell. Yeah. And I don't know why Gary did that to get me going. Uh, Brown Helm. My wife um, had it. She loved it. Good pints, good place. I really like it. It's close to my place, so I'll go with that. Which which brown hound? Because there's one in the north the end one and the one downtown. The oh, the yeah, one I, downtown. I, yeah. I'm in there quite a lot as well. Nice point of Guinness in there. Yeah, yeah, I like that place. I love that place. Actually. Yeah, the, the food and the points are good, but some of the customers are a bit dodgy, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I so... there's a guy behind me <laughs> kept asking me questions. I, don't know. <laughs> I know. Uh, and she had a follow-up question, actually. Uh, sure. When will your grey jacket be available at the fan shop? I'll give it to her. If I see her, I'll give it to her, but we will make sure it'll be available ASAP. It'll be available before the season. Thank you. I'm <laughs> glad someone noticed. Um, so... <laughs> I, I often ask my wife to dress me. As I said, I have a crazy ritual about what I wear to the games. I don't even want to get into it because people are going to think I'm crazy uh, more than I already am. But yeah, my wife chose it. It worked out. We're going to get it available for next season. I love it. Uh, I, I think Jordan must have like the biggest shoe collection in the world as well. He seems to always have a different pair of shoes at every game. So I bet you I exceeded. If you <laughs> added my shoes um, after a loss, I don't wear the shoes. And as I said, I've never really lost for two and a half years. And I don't mean that in any arrogant way. So the fact that we lost more than a few games, I had to allow me to go to new shoes and stretch my budget. Derek, hopefully you won't have to pay out too much next year. Uh, <laughs> see, um, so this is from Kaylee Etheridge. Uh, any design hopes for next year's kits? Uh, you, have a, you have to look at them more than any of us. Yeah, listen... I don't know what you guys thought, but I loved our kits this year. I mean, as much as everyone loved the white ones, I'm also a Barcelona fan. To coach a team that wears all white is uh, a nightmare, but it's okay. We'll allow it because we love the city. But I thought our blue kits and the fact that they had a trimming with gray was so sharp and beautiful. So, yeah, there's a couple of things they're working on, but obviously it'll stick to our principles and, you know, our, our home, our harbor, our soul. And, be with that you guys should be very excited you guys are gonna love it you know can i just jump in on that like you mentioned barcelona my favorite away kit ever is probably in the mid 90s when romario was there and they had like a turquoise i think it was yeah, a kappa the, turquoise yeah, one yeah, yeah. Kappa. It was if kappa. you could have a word with derek and see if we can get an away kit that looks like that i'd be I, much appreciated uh, maybe For sign sure. romario as well as like I, a 55 yeah. year old center forward he's, he's, uh, well we do have a beach i did actually get out to the beaches so he does like the beers and he likes beaches. So hopefully we can get him here. I, I saw a clip of him playing in like a five-a-side game the other day at like 54 and he was still magic. Like he moved the same way. Like the finishes, the little toe poke finishes were still there. I love those. I love anyway, that. sorry, Anne. No, it's, uh, I, I think that we should have a uh, white home kit. To be I'm hoping honest. for more difficult questions, Anthony. Uh, like... uh, it's not me. It's, you're going to have a talk with your friend. They're trying to be too nice to you. Like I was just like, what's what's the worst <laughs> question you kidding. come up and people are just being nice to you. Um <laughs> Let me see here. So this one's from uh, Chris Searle, uh, Missy's son, as uh, I'm sure you know. Um, 
How difficult was it balancing family and professional life? What were the comparisons or contrasts to your time at Vaughn? Yeah, I mean, I would say that's probably the biggest challenge I had. It, it wasn't easy, you know, given the fact that I'm on, I would go home to a, and I would sleep beside my wife and my kids was something I, I really missed, really, really missed. It wasn't easy. And I think, you know, what I said to myself and being of this household alone even right now is, you know what, I got to work harder because I want them to be proud of the efforts I made. And I think that's why I've just said, I don't want to go out at nights to explore the city because they're at home and they miss me and I miss them. My time is here for this football team in this city. And, you know, I'm sure if I've been going out, I would have seen both of you guys. You guys both seem like party guys who have a lot of nights out. So you guys would have been <laughs> able to call my BS and say, hey, wait a minute. I see. Sorry, but you froze there. Sorry about that. Yeah, sorry. So I was sorry. I was saying, I don't know what it was. Yeah. So learning how to manage those losses and not being home sad with my wife and kids has really allowed me to kind of manage that situation as we're still evolving and trying to figure out what holds for the future for us. So, yeah, it wasn't easy. And, and you know, my wife listens to these podcasts. She likes both of you guys. Um, I think Gary's talked to her at the games. Give her a hug. Give her a high five because she's everything. And, you know, if, if, you know, the day came that they weren't supportive. This is the day that my journey with football ends. Yeah, I do. I remember one of the first home games, I was chatting to my mate next to me about, I don't even know what I was talking to him about. And I kept seeing someone like turning around and looking up. And then she said, I recognize your voice from the podcast. So <laughs> yeah, I met, I think it was the first home game, actually, maybe. Yeah, you made, she actually did not like you at all because you made me <laughs> us late for that Christmas party. Yeah, I remember. All yeah, of yeah. our people. And I was like, hey, I'm going. I forgot. I had so many things going on. So she was like, who's this guy? So I blamed it all on you. I was like, I think he's a stalker. And he called me last minute. You know, he kept asking questions. But to be honest, I really enjoyed our conversation. And I didn't want to go to the Christmas party. So, uh, yeah, that, that, that was a big challenge. And you know what? If it's not for people, the one thing I'll say, Anthony, is that I am human. I have feelings just like you guys do. So when I read these amazing comments from Chris Searle, when I got the manager of the month, I mean, I saved that post. It was remarkable. His support for me is something that makes me smile when I feel alone at home. So we're all human. We go through things. So to feel that love and support is incredible. So thanks, Chris. I love that. I love that. Uh, when you started talking about me being a party animal, I cut you off because I, my <laughs> wife listens to this. So I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it was. Well, that's what I'm saying. If you guys, I, I know both of you guys are out every night. So, and I'm saying I don't go out, then you would have called me on my BS. Because I, I think uh, one of the guys said Gary was at Bicycle Thief last night. And the night before, I think Gary was at Sea Smoke. So, you know, <laughs> uh, you guys are young. You're supposed to enjoy your life. Uh, I'm the same age as you, man. So, I, I <laughs> yeah, I've got two kids. So, I shouldn't be out at all. So, uh, Alison McDougall uh, has this one. Um You've ensured that you build connections and relationships with many soccer players before uh, offering and or signing. Can you share any future players that you hope to join the team? I'm not too sure where they can get into that, to be honest. <laughs> um, here's what I'll say, Allison. Thank you for the compliment. Um, you know, you look at when our season ended and my post about how eh, this beautiful dream has come to an end. And uh, I had restless nights. When you read the comments, the comments are from Kamal Miller, Alistair Johnston, Ryan Raposo. And then St. Clair, and that's the truth, because I love those kids. They're part of who I am today, 
and hopefully I've been able to help them. We are obviously working. Um, part of the reason why I've had long days is I'm started the day this ended about certain areas where we need improvement. There's some really, really exciting players that I can't wait to tell you guys about. But until then, we'll wait for the big surprise. Awesome. So just because you mentioned Kamal Miller, I wasn't going to mention this during the podcast, but like if I knew someone who played with Messi, I would probably just send them a message saying, what's Messi like? Like, is it tempting to do that? Or do you just, do you want to like keep you cool a little bit and not yeah, just go, it, tell me everything uh, I'll about I'll tell Messi. you about that. So uh, Kamal is one of my l- longest serving players. I coached him for 12 years. So he goes away for the national team. And I'm sorry, Kamal, if you're listening to this, but you'll be okay. Kamal texts me when he comes back. He's like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. I have no idea what to do. I'm like, what's going on? Everything okay? I remember Kamal was at Montreal. He got traded to Miami. They weren't in a great position. Sure, it's Miami, but you're not sure what's going on. He says, I just got in. They moved Joseph Martinez down. To my right is Busquets and to my left is Messi. I don't know what to do. I said, I don't believe you. He sent me a picture. I'm like, oh my God. He said, he's like, I don't know what to say. I don't even know what to say. I said, uh, you'll be fine. Just keep working. Uh, a week and a half goes by later and they won their U.S. Cup Open. And I said, come on, you were fantastic. He goes, listen, Messi came up to me. I don't know what he said to me in his broken English. He's like, I need you to play the best you have. We got to win. And he's like, I just couldn't let Leo down. He's like, I've never had this feeling. <laughs> and he goes, do you think I should say something? I'm like, yeah. Come on, he's going to get married. I'm like, Ask him to be your best man in your kid's golf. <laughs> to have Uncle Leo and to have Leo Messi at your wedding will be epic. It's the best thing you could do. I actually think he took my advice. So I hope Kamal invites me to his wedding because he could be one of North America's biggest weddings. That's amazing. It, uh, I think yeah. um, when they were talking to Beckham on uh, the the overlap on the podcast that they have with uh, Gary Neville and Roy Kane, so if they actually asked Beckham what's messy like and he's like he's just a regular guy and yeah you, know, you get kind of put past the uh the superstar thing he's just a down-to-earth kind of guy it's kind of weird to think from that way though right yeah he says his kids are always in the locker room he's a real family guy he's like uh he does things at such ease that it's a surprise because you expect him to be a super duper athlete but he's not he's just his brain is formatted in a different way than 99.9 percent of the people in the world so things come to him faster crazy uh this one is from wickwire where we've got two left so um when he scouts players when you scout players for geyser ball i guess that's what everybody's calling your style of play now uh how much does the eye test for general athletic stuff like strength and speed influence your decisions yeah there's certainly not the top um as i said for me i look at the uh, like i feel like if you have really poor technical ability and you're really a great athlete it's very difficult to help you improve. But if you're a really good footballer, we can help your athleticism to be good enough. Like, I don't think you were a team that's super duper athlete, athletic, but we keep the ball. So for me, the main focus is um, take a chance on players that are willing to play. And, and, you know, it's not easy when you're playing Forge 90th minute and you're winning 1-0 and you're telling you guys, be brave to keep the ball. Some of them are going to be afraid and kick the ball away. But when they do, they come right back at you as you've seen some of our stories on there. So for me, if I had to go through a few things, it's technical ability, what I told you about their rating of their ceiling. 
If I'm bringing a five, what will he be in eight months? So I have an ROI, my return on investment. If I spend time with you, Anthony, what will you be in eight months? Will you be an eight or will you be a seven? Because I'm not looking at what I'm getting buying today. I'm looking at what I'm getting in eight months and what you guys will see in eight months. The greatest stories are the ones that unveil before your eyes, not the ones that start right away, right? And, you know, I think there's a lot of guys that we've seen that are going to continue to grow. I think we're going to continue to see Lorenzo's growth. I think Riley is going to be uh, something that will continue to evolve with the way he plays amongst many others. But I think those are the criteria. Certainly uh, athleticism, a certain positions like center back with a vertical and recovery pace is important, but it's not on top of my list. I think football, IQ and bravery are the most important things. Well, obviously this week we've, we've had a, uh... As we talked about, you know, players being nominated for Player of the Year and things like that. Was there an unsung hero this year for you that kind of, kind of just flew under the radar like a little bit? I have one, but I'd like to ask you guys for your two to put you on the spot with everyone before I give mine. I just don't want you guys to copy mine. Oh, okay. I've, I've got, I've got three. No, you can't have three unsung heroes, Gary. You gotta I, give us one. Yeah, you gotta I, give I, us one. Kale Offrey. Kale Offrey. I think, I think I think like I think he was magnificent, and I think if Dan wasn't so good and didn't get so many headlines, like the conversation around Kale would be much different, and he would be getting talked about in the same kind of breath as your clumps and the other centre backs, sure. and Listen. to also do that with the pressure of the nil behind him, knowing he could take his place at any time. Feel like that's that was really impressive. Yeah, let's be honest. Everybody knew that if the nil was going to challenge someone, it's Kale. He's a Canadian international, but Kale at six foot three. He was top two in aerial duels, left-footed, and the ability to compose and do things. Yeah, that's a very good one. Nice one, Gary. Anthony, you got to beat that, and you cannot She's... pick Kale. You can't oh, pick Kale. I know, I know exactly who he's going to pick. Take five uh, seconds. Okay, Take five uh, seconds. I don't want you to regret this. No, uh, I'd probably go with Riley Ferrazzo. I think uh, he was asked to play... Kind of one of the hardest roles on the team, whereas like you know he was been had to go into midfield, he had to kind of push back into defense. He he did like an awful lot of running in an awful lot of games. Yeah, he he got like a little bit injured, uh, probably from overexerting himself. And <laughs> yeah, he uh, yeah, yeah, I just think that he was just solid every game he played, and he, he kind yeah. of came up uh, tops in a, a bunch of games. That so. performance against Pacific was just mental. If you remember, <laughs> Riley went down at like 78th minute, but both of his uh, ank, uh, calves shot. Like to have double cramps is really rare, but he ran his socks off. He almost did, you know, even the first Ottawa game, guys, he did 12 kilometers. Jesus Christ. It's not a lot Christ. of fullbacks do 12 kilometers normally, isn't it? Around. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, yeah, I, I agree. Very good ones. Okay. Can I can I, I guess who can I guess who you're gonna say? Because I think go I know. Go Mo Omar. It is Mo Omar. Good oh one. wow. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And the reason that I say to Mo is because Mo went through a turbulent time here last year. So his character was tested. He wasn't given that position. Let's be honest. He had to fight with Mr. Halifax, right? And we I hope everyone knows who Mr. Halifax is. And for me, he will always be Mr. Halifax. But as Andre was going back and forth with the Trinidad national team. And I still think Andre is one of the best players in this league. Um, most to tall. He wasn't playing every week. We were, if you remember that stretch in July, early August, we were going game, 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 game for them to remain fresh and fight it out. And when Mo got the job, I still think one of the best performances for us, you want to talk about an unsung performance, I'll tell you, 
was Forge at Forge 1-1 with the free kick. Mo had his new hairdo. He looked like a man possessed. And that's the word I used with him, and he still use it. He was running all over the field, hunting people down. He ran like 12 kilometers, and he did 127 meters per minute. And it's, you know, I don't know if anyone knows this. Mo finished the CPL in uh, completed passing percentage highest. So I think it was wow. like 93%. So Jesus. nobody knows that. Nobody knows that he led the league in uh, completed passing percentages because what he did is he made the short passes that are easy to you and I, but they're not easy because he had to win it. So, yeah, ecstatic about Mo, ecstatic. I love that. You're right, though. He did uh, he had a tough season last year. Like, you know, he came in as a midfielder. He dropped back to defense, and then, you know, he, he kind of – yeah, it was very, very tough coming into that situation where things were kind of falling apart a little bit here in Halifax. Yeah. And he's definitely shown his character. And in fairness I to thought, you... I thought he was man of the match against Pacific, to be honest. He was my man of the match. And I know sometimes we believe there's no man of the match when, we win, when you lose 1-0, but I thought I thought he was fantastic. Well, I, in, in fairness to you, though, I think, like, giving him, like, the voice captaincy, like really helped him this year that like you know you were showing yeah, sure. by doing that you were giving him the uh the boost and you're showing that you trusted him yeah. so i think that really helped him too sorry gear no i was just gonna say like on a little tangent like i thought i thought he was great against pacific but i was so impressed with aiden daniels in the second half against oh, pacific man. like because I, and i think it's because this was happening in front of me like where i sit but he was he was a man possessed second half like you could see he made a conscious decision okay. to be the one that turned it around and like he was Incredible. looking for the ball everywhere. He wasn't scared. He was driving at him. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, like, you're the one who cares. Not not the most, but you're the one who outwardly cares the most. And, yeah, I thought he was yeah. great. I, I'll tell you, Gary, you know, in my interview process, when we spoke to Matt and Derek, you know, the one guy I pointed to was Aiden Daniels. And I said, you're going to see an Aiden. Aiden's very much a typical kid that I used to have a bond that you see all the good things. But, and I mean... Gary, we look at a picture, we sometimes see the red dot and the red dot takes away our ability to see the beauty around it. And I think a lot of people didn't see the truth about AD. And I think Aiden felt a disappointment from the fans last year. He read all the things and that's what I meant about the one things to change. And he felt like a letdown. And he was the, beside Randy, the first guy I spoke to. And I mean, I said to him, I believe in him. And in our exit interview, the one thing this young man has the intelligence to say is, Patrice, thank you for believing me because the greatest thing someone has to say is that I believe in you more than anybody else. You don't need 10 coaches to love you. You just need one person to believe in you. So I think, you know, I didn't use him as an unsung hero because if someone didn't notice him, they're crazy. But I do think he is the greatest improvement one year to another in CPL history. Like, there's no one else that went from what they were to what they were now today. And uh, what what a young man he is. And I look forward to see his growth next year. I, I think that the, the unfortunate thing for him last year was that Morelli got injured so early. And yeah. Everything was kind a of lot pushed of onto his shoulders, you know. So, um, and he's You're right, Anthony. And that's not easy, man. People forget, like, pressure. All of us handle it differently. I said I can deal with it. And I, you know, the one thing that I want all of our guys to remember is pressure is a privilege. Pressure means you're in a good position. You're never feeling pressure if you're in a 18th against the 19th place team, unless it's the prime relegation. But 
you know, it doesn't happen. So you're right. I think Aiden having high standards, Anthony, also allowed him to uh, go to a dark place that he didn't recover. But he came in with such an open mind. And I really believe he got better. And don't forget, Anthony, I challenged him. Aiden didn't start six games. If you remember a certain stretch, he came off the bench and scored that goal against Pacific at Pacific, which was the highest amount of shots we had in one game, which was 19. So, you know, I, I, we got to give credit where it's due. So he played 2,000 minutes, which is the most he's ever played as a pro. And he showed his durability. He was injury-free and such a vibrant player. I, I, I really enjoyed watching him. And Gary spot on. At that second half, I looked at him. I said, that kid does not want to lose. And I could have been a guy who was walking his dog. Love it. Um, this one, I don't have you tried the down air yet? People have a couple of down air questions, so um, no, I haven't. Don't, As I said, don't. I've been to don't, don't. Okay. <laughs> most, most overrated food on the yeah, planet. I, there's that the the, the the super center across the street from my house, the Atlantic one. Yeah. Um, because I live by the West End. As I went there, I saw Donair pizza, I saw Donair pockets, like like a patty Ring with Donair. And they didn't look greatly appealing. Uh, but I will tell you, I love going to one place to eat. If I don't know if this is a way of getting us an advertising for all of us three to be able to get some more meals there. Turkish Delight, they have like some great food. They call it a lamb doner. I didn't feel it. So I love the lamb doner at Turkish Delight. It's incredible. Maybe it was it more like the British Irish style where they yeah, put it in a pita bread with with like lettuce and pickles and stuff, yeah. stuff like that. It, it was something like it was like a dish, yeah. uh, like yeah. a little rice, a little bit of doner and salad. Didn't have a lot of sauce. I'm not a saucy guy, so it's fantastic. Turkish delight lamb doner. Right, if we for. if we get sponsorship, we're changing the name to Down the Turkish Delight. Then That's yeah, yeah. Let's go. <laughs> I, I hope you're listening, guys. I'll, I, I go there quite often. <laughs> uh, yeah, don't we I, have I, a we, thing, uh, Anthony? Don't we have a beer sponsor? We, we used to have Molson Coors. Uh, have, for, oh God! Yeah, use the yeah, because Gary kept getting their name wrong. So <laughs> he was okay. he was called the Malson Cars and they just were like like oh, we've, well, we just, I prefer taking the piss. craft beers. Craft beers. I'm willing to do a show with Anthony and Gary every three months and we'll go past three hours if you're willing to sponsor us. And all we ask you is to supply us when we go to Turkish Delight or something like this. I love it. I love it. Craft beers and a donor. I love it. Um yeah. So I, I, there's one more from the uh, the listener thing, and then there was like a little comment somebody had that I thought you'd like want to hear. So, sure. um, how much growth do you think is left to go till the team is reflecting exactly how you want them to play? That's from Joe Timothy. Yeah, that's a really big one, Joe. That's a big one, and I'll tell you why. Um, good stat. We let a lot of games. Bad stat. Um, we ended up giving up a total of 18 points on a lead position. Now, you could look at that two ways. If you don't score first, you're never going to give up a lead position. So that's a privilege that we built. But we need to be better to managing those situations. So, But on the flip side, there was a lot of leads we didn't have that we got back. Calgary being down one thing, making a 2-1, 2-2-2, being down. So there were similar, several resilient ones. So I would say 
you know, we need to understand that if we're running one zero, we don't shut down, keep the ball. We're winning two zero, we don't shut down, we keep the ball. We're winning zero, we don't shut down, we keep the ball. I felt like you guys saw that against Fowler at home and Vancouver at home. We never panicked, we were in control. Um, so I think the team has to continue to evolve. But understand, Anthony, these guys want to win for you guys so badly that sometimes when you're at a uh, against the wall and you want to win so badly, it makes you do things you're not proud of. So we started panicking a little bit and kicking the ball away and doing things we shouldn't have and managed it. So I think that's the one thing we have to continue to grow at and understand that we're consistent with our philosophy and the way we play and hopefully we stick to it. And that's probably the biggest takeaway I have. But do I think that's six years down the line? No, certainly not. So I think um, that bravery continues. But unfortunately, in football, there's a few errors that you learn with errors. That's the only way you learn. I can tell you, don't do that. And you will end up doing it and you learn from it. And that's where we're at today. So we'll continue to improve and manage to close off games. That's a great answer. And thank you so much, everybody, for all the questions. Um, this this comment was from Alison. I just thought it's kind of summed up how I think everybody's probably, probably uh, feeling. So uh, thank you for your time, dedication, vision, and philosophy you brought to Halifax and the team. And also thank uh, thank you to your family for sharing your husband and dad with us. I thought it was a really nice little sentiment. That's really Allison, nice. So. Yeah, thank you, Alison. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, I think our, our relationship started at its own way that, you know, um, you know, who is this guy and where is he coming from? And surely there has to be a better bet. And for me, it made me push more not to prove a point. I've never been a revenge guy, but to say, one, every CPL team, hire a Canadian and take a chance on a coach if he's the right guy. Take a chance. Nobody's born a pro. Everybody needs a chance. When my beloved Barca hired Pep from the B team and he had no first team experience, he lost his first game. And within a game, they wanted him sack. So, you know, for me, I wanted to come out and make you guys proud and say, hey, we can do this. And, you know, for every colleague that I have in Nova Scotia, Ontario, British Columbia and Quebec, that's coaching in League One, OCAA, CIS, keep believing in yourself. CPL is growing. There's more teams. And our success means it's their success. So, you know, I felt like our relationship grew more and more every day. I've loved every moment. And I'm really sad that we're not playing this Saturday and there's no more moments for a few more months. But... Sometimes the greatest things happen when you're wait for it. So I, I just want to say uh, thank you so much for giving us so much time. Uh, it's been I know you've got such a hectic schedule this week with awards sure. and uh, all that kind of good stuff that's going on with, with, with what's happening. So thank you so much. Um, who do you think is going to win the final? Sorry, so, no, no. I'm gonna I'm gonna rephrase that question. Who do you want to win the final? <laughs> well, that's an easy one. No, I'll say who I think is gonna win it, and um, uh, I think Calgary's gonna win it. The fact that Forge beat them last week, you know, in this league, you know, just understand that that game is their sixth game against each other. It's crazy. Insane. We need more teams. We need more divisions. We need less travel. So, you know, I know some people talked about our road record, but just be mindful. We had 
we had the least losses on the road. We just had a eight ties. And I know yeah. that goes as a blemish, but it really isn't. So I think Calgary's going to win it. I think Tommy's done a magnificent job. I think Bobby's done a magnificent job. I am beyond honored to be mentioned in the same category as them. I am lucky to be asked by one talker to be a part of their pregame routine that day. And I'm looking forward to it. I certainly hope I'm not asked at one soccer, but I'll say amongst us, I do think Calgary was fantastic. Um, they managed to make less mistake and have some magic from their attackers. Um, I think Forge has just won so many things that it's very easy to motivate group and say, hey, we just simply can't allow them to win anymore. So the narrative should help Calgary, but it's going to be a close game and I hope both teams play because they both played good footy this year and I hope it's not a defensive uh you know jab jab set piece game and it's a uppercut game you guys gary who do you got i want to hear gary and anthony i i think cavalry as well because i feel like the the home team in the cpl final always struggles like i remember last year ottawa like if they were playing away from home they'd have won that game because they could have done their like 4-4-2 deep block thing and and picked but i felt like they were kind of caught in between going for it and hanging back so yeah i think cavalry because i think like the home team almost commit too many players because they want to like entertain however however it's gonna be like 10 15 thousand there they'll they'll want to entertain them so yeah i think cavalry as well i i want cavalry to win but i think forward to win i just think that they've been here done it and they just always seem to show up at the business end of the season like they're just yeah experience is uh something that's so short so i look forward to it it'll be an exciting game nevertheless well, uh, best of luck to you and the guys with the uh, with the nominations. Uh, we hope Thank that you, you bring guys. home some uh, some trophies back to Halifax. And uh, yeah, man, best of luck. Thanks for watching. That was amazing. Thanks mate. for really all your coverage that. this season, guys. Take care. Thanks. Thanks. Cheers, buddy. Bye. See you guys. Thank Bye. you, guys. Get out! Out to fuck!